I'm Maz Jobrani, and this is Time and Again, a podcast series for LACMA, the Los Angeles County Museum of Art. This series is inspired by the exhibition In the Fields of Empty Days, the intersection of past and present in Iranian art. We have asked a group of experts on Iranian culture, academics, curators, filmmakers, and artists to open a door for us into Iran. Not surprisingly, they each ended up focusing on poetry. So what's great about living in Los Angeles is that Los Angeles has one of the biggest populations of Iranians outside of Iran. I believe it might even be the biggest population of Iranians outside of Iran. And so we get some really cool um, things going on in this town from time to time. And one of the coolest ones to have come here uh, in a long time is a current exhibition of Iranian art at LACMA. Uh, It's called In the Fields of Empty Days. Um, and it's a beautiful exhibit that everyone should go see. And I'm lucky to have sitting in the studio with me Linda Komarov, the curator of that exhibition, to chat a little bit about the exhibition and delve a little bit deeper. Linda, how are you? I'm well, thank you. Thanks for joining us. Now, Linda, I know that you got a chance to speak with a lot of experts on Iranian culture. You've brought some material, and you were going to tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, well, we put together a group of people to to talk to who are both uh, professionally or personally involved in Iran and ask them for some of their thoughts. When asked to talk about Iran, the idea of poetry came up because I don't know how you feel about this. To me, um, there's nothing more inherently Iranian than Persian poetry. I grew up in America since I was six years old, and I would say that poetry is not as... um, prevalent in the American culture. Obviously, we have great poets, but it's not part of, um, um, I would say, the masses as big as it is in the Iranian community. And I remember growing up, my grandfather used to recite poetry all the time. They used to do this thing when he was younger where they would sit across from each other or, you know, around each other, and they would have debates using poetry. So it wasn't just, it was, I guess it's the early form of Twitter, um, but with uh, rhyming. Yeah. Um, or maybe it was like the early form of rap battles in a way. Well, it, and that actually predates your grandfather's time by hundreds and hundreds of years. That was a, a form of entertainment for men. I don't know if there was ever anything similar for, for women. Uh, it often involved drinking wine as well, and people who had memorized certain poems would recite them, and then someone would compose something on the spot maybe using the same meter, or it might be someone would say starting with the letter, the equivalent of the letter A. Each word needs to start with that, or each word needs to end with that, and that's how they would pass the the evening. And part of the skill would be your knowledge of past poetry and how much you had memorized, and then your ability to, on your feet, compose something that that made sense. Wow. So the original Tupac Shakur's and and run DMCs of the world were Iranian. Evidently. We'll take credit. Iranians take credit for everything. All right, well, let's start with your first clip. Filmmaker Anahita Qazvinizadeh. The part that I most genuinely and deeply see myself connected to Iran and to the culture is absolutely the poetry. And it's the poetry that comes from 100 
like few hundred years ago is poetry of poets like Attar, um, like Molana Rumi, like Hafez, Saadi, other Iranian poets that they inform my childhood, they inform my connection to the culture at the times that I didn't even understand what exactly these poems about memorizing them and reciting them have been very helpful for me. Let's hear from Persis Karim. There isn't an Iranian who doesn't have poetry on the tip of their tongue because they grew up steeped in it, right? And my father was always reciting poetry. You know, I personally, well, I was born in Iran. I moved to America when I was six in late 1978, and I grew up in America. And again, growing up in America, I was not as exposed um, to poetry, neither American or Western nor Persian. Um, what I do love is when I would hear people like my grandfather or others recite poetry, it's almost like they're reciting a line from Shakespeare. It all sounds so beautiful, and suddenly whoever you're talking to sounds so eloquent. And, um, and it's amazing because in a line or two, they would summarize um, a point that they would drive home. And um, just as Anahita said, they stick in your mind because I haven't thought about some for a long time. Um, one that I like was the per- uh, Persian poet Saadi. And so it goes. And I hope anyone who's Iranian who's listening to this, if I mess up some of the lines, please don't send any tweets to LACMA. This is all Maz Jobrani messing up Saadi Persian poetry, possibly. So here we go. They say, Gele khoshbui dar hamam ruzi resid az dast mahbubi be dastam. Bedu goftam mushki ya abiri ke az buye delaviz to mastam. بگفتا من گل ناچیز بودم ولی کم مدتی با گل نشستم کمال همنشین بر من اثر کرد وگرنه من همان خاکم که هستم someone is in a, um, a public bathhouse and someone hands them this mud to to put on their skin and the mud smells really good and so this person asks the mud they say are you a mud or are you a perfume and the mud says you know, I was just a mud until a, a beautiful flower was planted um, or I, I, using my mud. And then I then gained the perfection of the smell of that flower. And that made me smell so good. Otherwise, I'm just mud. The Persian language itself is so multifaceted. Each word can have multiple meanings that at different times in your life, it could mean something different mm. to you. Uh, you could see another aspect of another, of another word that you hadn't thought of before. You can think as with the mud being scented with the flower. You can think of, of something else, how something ordinary can come together with something beautiful yeah. and produce something completely different, or just two ordinary everyday things can come together and create something that is that is unique and the and with persian poetry and i think this is is different from shakespeare it's meant to have these multifaceted meanings it's meant to make you to think and to experience it, something that's not merely on the superficial level that you can go deeper and more spiritually involved in what you've read yeah i think you're absolutely right and that's that's what the beauty of it is again kind of also using that other analogy of how in 
modern day, we have so many self-help books and what to do and how to get there and what, you know, implement the, the seven things, habits of highly successful people or whatever that is. And what you just said, you know, you're right. In Persian poetry, they seem to capture a lot of these ideas in two or three lines because the words have so many different meanings. Um, and, and that's probably something that I'm drawn to as well. Ambiguity. Ambiguity. And complexity. Yeah. So, Maz, let's listen to another clip from Persis's interview. When you have a culture that has a long arc of literary history as well as a long arc of uh, social history, that literary history is a vehicle for conveying the stories of people. And, I, like, you know, the only thing I can equate it to is Greek mythology, right? It has some of that same resonance and um, it's the stories you tell yourself about yourself and you tell it through these narratives or through recitation of poetry and um, even if the the vehicle isn't immediately understandable to you you understand like oh this is this is important right um, and the narratives that people tell about themselves are the things that stick. The Shahnameh, which is um, amazingly displayed in the exhibition, um, is this long story that's told by Ferdowsi, and uh, we're going to find out more about the Shahnameh. I will tell you personally, I am just discovering, I'd always heard about the Shahnameh, um, because as an Iranian, you hear about Ferdowsi, you hear about the Shahnameh. It's kind of the, the piece of literature that Iranians are most proud of. And I just heard of it, I'd heard of it, but because I grew up in America, my reading and writing in Persian is not that strong, so I never tried to delve into it. And more recently, I came upon a book that was translated in English on the Shahnameh, and we started reading it with my son, and he loved it. In the exhibition, In the Fields of Empty Days, we first of all have historical manuscripts of the Shahnameh from the, uh, most of them are from the early 17th century, plus we have single-page paintings that were removed from the Shahnameh from the 16th century. Perhaps of still greater interest to our audience today is that we have included in the exhibition contemporary works of art in which the artists, whether they're based in Iran or part of the Iranian diaspora community, use stories from the Shahnameh in a completely contemporary context. All right, well, in the next episode, we're going to dive deep into the Shahnameh and educate ourselves a little bit more about this amazing work of art. Thank you to everyone who contributed their insights today. My partner in this journey, LACMA curator, Linda Kamarov. Scholar, Persis Karim, as well as filmmaker Anahita Qazvinizadeh. To hear more from this series, please visit lacma.org slash podcasts 
To listen to more episodes of Time and Again, go to iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. This series was produced for LACMA by Sound Made Public.